Is this art good with Alphonse and Ball? Yeah. Hey guys. Welcome. Welcome. How how are you, listener? I can't hear you. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the the downside of doing a podcast where like we edit it and everything is we just can't hear people. We can't just have the, everyone on call. That's true. Maybe one day, maybe we'll do a fucking podcast Zoom meeting. <laughs> and I'll get, be a, pretty great. I'll get a green screen and put a palm tree up and you'll be like, wow, Devin is really on a beach somewhere with Wi-Fi. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> Wi-Fi on that abandoned beach. Yeah, because Fi. That's what I like to call it. <laughs> Everybody else is using fucking Wi-Fi. I'm using because Fi. <laughs> answer Fi. Yeah, answer Fi. Solution Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Problem Fi and Solution Fi. Those sound like like programming languages for big fucking nerds. They just sound like fucking like high ass like Silicon Valley jargon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, everyone, today we're going to be focusing we're, we're really going to be focusing our energy on solutions. We're going to be solution fi, solution focused today. Like fuck off. We're really going to synergize the the thought the thoughtosphere. <laughs> synergize the thoughtosphere, man. <laughs> Uh, okay, we should probably introduce ourselves. This is uh, this is Ball Gorley. <laughs> yep, that's that's me. Just call me Ball. And this is yeah. uh, sexiest podcaster to ever live, uh, Alphonse Znolf Znofla. Yeah, because that's Alphonse backwards. <laughs> Great. I don't know what the fuck? This is, this is a good energy. This is a this is a great energy. We welcome you to episode six A of Is This Art Good? Thank you. Is for this listening. podcast good? We'll see. If this is your first time listening, uh, we really appreciate you checking this out. We've got hopefully a pretty interesting discussion here, but we don't know because we don't pre-record these intros. Obviously. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and yeah, so a, a couple of pretty disparate. Um, pieces today the first one we're going to talk about is the impossible kid by aesop rock yeah speaking of disparate like i i feel like these two albums are possibly like couldn't be further apart like i agree with you i was looking at the count of monte cristo no the i was looking at the (laughs) how many like choruses there are per acdc song per verse yeah. yeah like you know and like, you know, there's a couple Aesop Rock songs that just don't have a chorus yeah. in them. Yeah, totally. And then like there's ACDC songs that have like one normal sized chorus, one chorus that's like four lines. And then the re- or sorry, one normal one sized line verse. four times. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Give the given the dog a bone. That's what a chorus is. This is for part B. You're foreshadowing too much. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I like dogs. OK. I like dogs. Yeah. Hmm. that's not you, what that song's about though. you didn't used to like uh, dogs no i didn't i used to be afraid of dogs but then i uh grew up yeah dogs i mean dogs are <laughs> dogs are something to be afraid of i think when you're a kid like it's pretty valid if you have like a bad experience well yeah and honestly like i still wouldn't just like walk up to a random dog on the street and yeah. be like yo what's up yeah it's but true. like if i saw someone walking a dog and they didn't like bark or anything i might be like hey can i pet your dog sure 
but not not in COVID times because we we don't want to pet random people's dogs or get too close to anybody no. for any reason. We don't want disease puppers running around. A disease pupper. Yeah. The uh, the story of why you don't like dogs is kind of a um. It's kind of a slice of life. It's a little bit of an episode in your childhood. And I think that that is really the essence of what the impossible kid is. <laughs> I think when you gave when you gave this to me, you called it, you were like, it's semi-autobiographical, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. But the, when I listened to it, I was like, well, admittedly, first of all, actually, I listened to this three times, which is like our standard for checking out an album. And yeah. I, I really, really paid attention. And it was not enough. Like I would need to listen to this another three to five times to really get all of Absolutely. the meat. Yeah, it is a very, very dense album. But um, what I thought was it was less autobiographical in like a linear way and more like a slice of life. Each song focuses on like a story or like a moment in his life that meant something or that was significant in some way. Yeah, it's, it's I guess uh, autobiographical wouldn't be really the right term. More, more like self-descriptive. Mm. would have been mm-hmm. a better way of uh, phrasing that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I... Uh, so you told me to listen to it uh, instrumentally first, or listen to it for the music first. Yeah, just appreciating the overall kind of flow of it. Yeah, and I ended up finding an instrumental version of it on Spotify, which was great. Um, so the first time I listened to it was just like the regular version, and I didn't read along with the lyrics. Then the second time right. I listened to just the instrumental version, and the third time I listened to the regular version reading along with the lyrics. So right, right. I would probably have to listen and read along with the lyrics a few more times to really get it all. Um, but it reminded me, like, there's um, repeated mention of a person named Alex, and it was like right. the artist expects you to know who this is, or the artist is, like, just kind of bringing you into their world and it's almost like an inside like an inside joke rock vibe (laughs) a little bit like it has those it has those uh references to things that are like maybe not immediately understandable to you like just using someone's name instead of being like let me introduce you to the concept of this person yeah exactly which is i think that was a really interesting vibe because it was just like yeah this guy i know yeah, I'm pretty sure Alex is his brother, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Because when I looked it up, um, it said the album artwork was done by like Alex something or other. And Party. I wondered if that was the Alex he talked about. Yeah, Alex Party. Yeah, I think that's a different guy. Okay. But yeah. I wasn't sure because um, yeah, he, he mentions his brother in, uh, I guess it's Blood Sandwich, right? Where he's like, oh, we haven't talked in a while. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like I like that title a lot because it's he's the middle child, right? Oh, so, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh so how do you want to go through this? What would be the the best way for you to get my take on this album? I think uh like you'll lead the discussion because, you know, you were the one assigned this. Sure. Um but I did want to mention like this is a uh, an album that kind of came to me during a pretty like rough period, it was a uh, I had just gotten back from BC after like a bad breakup and like losing my job out there and everything. And it was just it was not great. Yeah. So that would have been like when this came out. Yeah, pretty like much it was brand like, new. just a little bit after. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And so like, I feel like a lot of the vibes of the album and kind of my feelings about it are sort of tied up in that setting as well. Mm -hmm. Like that setting in my life, that time. Um, So it's going to be a bit tough for me to be objective. So um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there first. That's okay. I think, um, yeah, I would first like to talk about the instrumentation at least, which is easy enough to be objective about. Uh, But there are definitely a lot of like lyrical themes that, yeah, I can see how that would definitely be a, an easy thing to like grab onto at a particular period in time. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff about like struggling with uh, mental illness and like depression, right. uh, Kind of specifically. So that's uh, definitely relatable for myself. Yeah. And I'm sure for a lot of, a lot of people. And this was like, this is his seventh album. I read and you said this is like when he started to get less abstract right yeah and so I thought well you know and we can talk more about how abstract it is but I was like you know if I have to focus this hard on what he's saying now yeah uh yeah what what kind of shit is he trying to communicate in his earlier work I would say it's less about what he was trying to communicate and more just like the efficiency of how he gets like the tone across. Yeah. Okay. Um, Like I, I would say that this was like kind of an era where he stepped up his, his like ability to communicate stuff through his lyrics. Right. And also like some of his like really early stuff can be a little bit clumsy when it's trying to be, uh particularly verbose or say something and communicate it well right there's a balance yeah yeah i feel like this is like where he struck a balance really well okay yeah and we can we can get into that more i would love to start with the instrumental if that's okay with you for sure um because the first thing that hit me was like well just how angular it is you know it all seems like cut with a square everything's square or triangular, nothing's very round. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a, a gated drum sound that they use throughout the album, mm-hmm. which kind of like, the, like the snare never breathes, for example. It's always just like, pop, pop. And it yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and the hat is very like, it's very closed, very tight a lot of the time. And it just gives this like, not jarring, but just very like stiff feeling to a yeah. lot of the percussion. Um, it's kind of stiff and punchy. It's punchy, it's industrial sounding yes um and it sounds like the kind of stuff that you make when you make music um he was definitely like a big influence on me music wise yeah yeah i can i can definitely hear that and uh what i really appreciated was the use of and i mentioned this on igor too the use of the real drums and i thought this like juxtaposition of the very like synthetic angular gate on the drums with using real drum samples or played drums, like actual acoustic drums, was a really cool mm-hmm. blend. That yeah, was like yeah. my the my first impression. Uh, and then obviously, like just the blend of genres. There's like there's obviously jazz influence, rock influence all over the place, and then some like funk and R and B stuff as well. So it's a really really interesting and effective blend of just genres. Yeah, it's very it's very eclectic, but like. It kind of doesn't have that thing where like you're 
you're listening to it and you're like, oh, this is the jazz part. Like it's no. kind of just like all melded together. It really does meld. Yeah. And like some of the synth is like weird fucking theremin shit. But then there's like yeah. a straight up like R&B bass groove in it with like a real, yeah. like a real bass, you know, not like a synth bass, which I yeah. thought was a really cool thing. Yeah. And it, it almost sounds like, like a video game, like industrial video game boss battle music to me a lot of the time. I could see that. He actually, um, he's recently, um, I forget what the game's called, but he's lent a few tracks to a uh, video game. It's like a shmup. Oh. Uh, I think it's called like Finger Fighter or something. Wow. But uh, it's like him and some other like underground hip hop guys who did the whole soundtrack. That's pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. And he obviously like there's... um, some samples and stuff that are like directly from video games. Um, yeah. And he's, he mentions them sometimes. So it's definitely something that maybe is like on purpose. Right. Actually there was a, and I'm sure this isn't a sample because this album came out way before, but I think it was on Supercell maybe or rabies mm-hmm. uh, that sounds like the uh, bubblegum theme from animal crossing. <laughs> They're like, oh and i was just like what like it sounded so similar yeah yeah i don't know i i i don't know the one honestly i think it's on one of those two but i don't know somebody will correct me fucking send me an email and be like oh you're fucking idiot devin you don't even pay attention to the goddamn album how fucking dare you you don't even do this right uh it's like whatever oh i can't believe you gave him fucking acdc he's monster yeah monster monster energy and acdc my fucking favorite combo let's go (laughs) kyle send me a fucking email kyle let's fucking drink (laughs) anyway um We'll get there. We'll get there, buddy. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, I had it, no response to that. I was just like, oh. Just the fucking. We're going uh, here. Just the production. So, yeah, that's kind of like what I felt, you know, stylistically was it was an interesting blend. And it was really done, I thought, very well as far as trying to combine all of these disparate elements and not make them sound like just not make them sound disparate, basically. Um yeah, yeah. And not just that, but making them sound disparate when they should. Yeah, like you there's know? like a bit where like a horn comes in. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's in like Dorks. Dorks is a really good example because there's this just continuous like punk or metal guitar riff in there. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that's like, it's supposed to sound gross. And a lot of the album is supposed to sound badly produced almost but it's so clean and polished at the same time you know it's funny because i had thought of this myself and then i hadn't mentioned it uh to Alyssa, my girlfriend and um when she listened to this album she said that it sounds swampy like it sounds like a swamp interesting and i i she said that and i was like yes absolutely like this sounds like a swamp I don't know why. Yeah, it's uh, it's because it's very dark. There's this very like dark and atmospheric vibe the whole time, but somehow, yeah, yes, it's just a very very eclectic blend of sounds, and I don't think I've heard anything like it, frankly. 
Mm-hmm. It's a very, very, very unique album instrumentally. Um, yeah, to say the least. Yeah. I think that atmospheric kind of vibe is most apparent on Rings for me. There's like this consistent beat and bass line, but everything else, all of the other instrumentation is very like kind of breathy and spacious and leaves room for the vocals to do what they're doing. Um, yeah. But then even that gets broken where there's like the breaks where it's just the vocals, like the quick vocal verses, and then the beat comes yeah, back yeah. in. I think it does that two or three times, which is kind of like a hook, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I really like those bits. Like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of parts throughout the album where he kind of like stops the beat for emphasis, but then he's able, like he's so proficient as a rapper that he's able to like, continue that beat throughout without having any instrumentation behind him. Yeah. 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 And uh actually there was a there was one part in Rabies, the line um Mary Mary go make soup out of bones. Mm-hmm. Was a really weird one where the beat doesn't stop, but his flow totally abandons what anything else is doing and it's just this like heavily syncopated it's like it's a mess. That line is just a mess the way that he says it, but it fits so well. It fits so good. Like Yeah. Yeah. It just, he just it has just adds like such the... a strong sense of rhythm. Yes, for sure he does. Uh you were going to ask me something else. Yeah, uh I just kind of wanted to uh talk about the tracks a bit more specifically since yeah. we we're getting ahead on some of them. No, that's fine. I was just kind um, of jumping around with uh my general musical thoughts. Yeah, yeah. What did you think about Mystery Fish? So it kind of starts off with this like dissonant swell, right? And then comes in really abruptly. And I thought, uh, okay, like that kind of woke me up because uh, I listened to this <laughs> yeah. for the first time after work and I was on the bus and I was just kind of like, mm, all right, we'll throw this on. Time to absorb it for the first time. And it was just kind of this like, and it just comes in and he just starts, he just goes. And yeah. then for the rest of the album, He's just going all the time, which is why I had I was like, I need to listen to this more. Yeah, he kind of comes in like like a fucking steamroller. Like it's just like I I feel like it's a really good first song in that way because it immediately establishes like how good he is at rapping before it heads into rings and a lot of years, which are a bit less intense in terms of like, yeah, just pure rapping skill. Right. I think Mm -hmm. um, one of my first thoughts during mystery fish was okay alphonse gave me this album now for a reason because i think after our igor discussion and me kind of tearing mumble rap apart and talking about what kinds of elements i prefer in rap uh this definitely hits hits that like the very well enunciated lyrics and fast very uh well-spoken verses are something that I have a lot of respect for generally. And that was obviously a common theme throughout the album. Uh, I didn't have any particular lyrical notes about that song. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can talk about why uh, and how it how abstract the album is now or later. What do you think? Um, I, I think we should wait a little bit to get into that and then we sure. can kind of pull uh, references from the specific songs. Okay. But um, yeah, it, it it definitely was kind of it's it's weird. 
I've had this album just like uh, I'll listen to it pretty often for years now. And I've always been like, oh, I should send this. I should like get Devin into this at some point. And I just never did. Right. And it was just kind of always there in the background. Um, And then I was listening to the uh, the Igor episode, listening to it back. And I was like, man. I think that uh, Impossible Kid would be like the perfect, like almost other end of the spectrum for this. Like if Igor is a good album that doesn't have anything you or doesn't have much stuff that you're like really into for rap, then like maybe this would be the album to make you into a bit more of a rap guy, as you kind saying. of phrased it in the other right. episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, just like, you know, fucking JoJo's supposed to be what makes me more of an anime guy. You fuck. <laughs> I know what we'll do. We'll start a podcast and I'll just give Devin rap and anime. And then he's going to yeah, love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the plan, man. I don't have anything. I don't have a problem with that. Uh, for anybody who's like, oh, no, is he actually getting offended? No, I think it's good. I think that you're challenging me to just check out stuff outside my comfort zone, which is yeah, which is what this is all about. Yeah, that's just the, like I'm challenging you to listen to your stuff outside your comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, and ACDC makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, me too. But we're going to get there. Don't worry, Kyle. We'll get there. We see you. Yeah, don't worry, Kyle. We see you. We see you waving that monster energy. Yeah, where the fuck is why am I listening to this album? Look, Kyle, this is why we do <laughs> part A and part B. So you can just go fucking click on part B right now. You don't have to listen to us talk about this rap garbage. We, you can hear us talk about some rock garbage. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah fuck, Kyle. You tell me what I'm going to do. I'm going to listen to whatever fuck I want. Fine. Listen. Let's talk about rings. Yeah. Uh, this was actually the first song of Aesop's that I had heard. Period. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. An old friend of ours was like, hey, uh, check this song out. It's dope. And I listened to it and I was like, yeah, this is pretty dope. And then I listened to the rest of the album. There's the story. Okay, and so you... It's about art. Yeah, this is about art, and I thought that it was uh, very fitting to talk about this song on a podcast that is also about art. Um, And it's about finding what kind of art you're supposed to fucking do and realizing that you can carve a niche for yourself that has nothing to do with what other people expect of you. Yeah. And it's okay to fail, I think, which is great. That, that that hook was one that stuck with me. Uh, the chop you down just to count your rings was obviously a line that was like, oh, yeah, that's a that's yeah. a really good one. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, both making reference to nature and to the way that people fucking tear each other apart. But I was, uh, at this point, by the time rings ended, I was like, huh, I appreciate how clean this album is, yeah. uh, vulgarity-wise, um, because a lot of rap isn't. And not that I care, you can fucking swear as much as you fucking goddamn want. But it it makes the few times he chooses to use expletives a lot more important. Yeah. And it yeah. makes them hit a lot harder. Right? Yeah. Uh, there's the line later on, the painted whore line, I think it is. Yeah, yeah. And that was, like, I was like, oh. Oh. Because it just, it kind of was jumped out as like, oh, I'm not used to this guy going off and swearing. Yeah, he's cussing. Like Eminem. <laughs> He's, He's doing cussing. a cuss. Yeah. What do you think about rings? 
Rings is really interesting because Aesop like did visual art before he like seriously got into music. Right. And eventually ended up like stopping for the mo- like stopping pursuing visual art as he like got more and more into music. Um, but he's like a better artist than me. <laughs> just like really if you if you look up his stuff. Yeah, he's really talented. Um, just the way that it describes the regret he feels for not keeping up with that as much. That's honestly been like at times when I feel like I'm kind of struggling with visual art. This song has sort of driven me to like keep up with it so that I don't have that sort of regret. But then at the same time, it's also kind of inspired me to work on music more because like if he can do both of those things, then like I can do that. I can do both. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, I had a similar feeling when I listened to it the second time, I think was when I really uh, paid attention and I was like, yeah, you know, this this song is about just, I kind of said this earlier, but just kind of figuring out what you want to do and being okay with not being good yeah, for a while and, and kind of just pushing. And, you know, I've had times also where I'm like, I don't want to fucking do art. Yeah. I want to stop. I was listening. I was uh, listening to a couple of my own mixes the other day, yesterday morning, and I was like, they're really rough mixes, but I was like, I fucking hate this. This is garbage. <laughs> I, oh my God, I have to start over. I have to throw this out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, the, yeah, that's definitely, a, I mean, probably a common Oh, I feel like experience it's like among every, a lot of artists. It's almost every artist, like there's that, yes. just that struggle to keep up with everyone else and like feel like you're doing good work and it's just so competitive. It's true. And, oh, I should also note, you said he's a better visual artist than me, than you, than yourself. Yeah. Uh, should note, I think you are a wonderful um, artist, and you're pretty humble, I think, for the most part. You you always, you know, you're always working on, like, okay, what, like, fucking hands. Yeah. Hands are uh, a big thing for you right now and, like, for the last little bit, because I remember when we were younger and for a long time, you are like, I can't fucking draw a hand oh yeah and then you made a point to like work that into your artwork over a long period of time and now that's become like i think that's something that i associate with your work which is really neat yeah yeah i remember the the turning point for that was i was in art school taking concept art and uh i had to draw over the course of the semester we had to draw a hundred hands in this sketchbook. Oh my God. But since there wasn't any like, you know, there was no check-in or anything. And like, I am just awful with fucking schedules and everything. I ended up having to draw about 74 hands in one night. And it was a fucking nightmare. (laughs) And I, I remember I sat there and I was like, okay, I, I put a post on Facebook and I was like, okay, everyone needs to send me pictures of their hands. I need references. Okay, let's go. And I fucking fuck by the end of that. I could draw a hand without any reference out of like one line and just be like, yep, it's done. It's a hand and you can see that it's a hand. I'm like, I can't do that anymore because it was just like, wow, this is a lot all at once. But right. uh it was definitely a point where I was like, oh, okay, hands aren't so bad. Like, I can do these. If I got, like, a reference, I can do a good hand. 
Right. You know what they fucking say. You get better at things if you go to school. No, that's not what it was. That's, not what, that's not what they say at all. Uh, uh, art degree <laughs> is useless. That's what they say. Hey, I've got an art degree. It's a degree in arts, but it's not an art degree. There you go. And it's useless. You don't fucking get much more useless than philosophy. Maybe film. Maybe film. Mm, maybe. I guess we'll see. As far as like practical applications. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was good. I can definitely see how this song is like a motivating tune. Yeah. 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 It's it's kind of like a thing of like, just like, oh, I don't want to feel that regret that because it like it gets it across so well, I feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100 um, percent with a lot of years. Yeah. So this was interesting. This was a tiny song. It's less than two minutes long. Mm-hmm. Right. And. This was the one where I was like, okay, this is not, it's not autobiographical because this isn't about him. It's about two people that he had an interaction with or two interactions that he observed. Yeah. Right. He goes into the ice cream store. They have a a conversation about tattoos. He's like, wow, fucking lipstick tattoo, like lame, whatever you get laid. Yeah. yeah. You know, Um, but it was still like the interaction he had with this person had an, an effect on him. And then he goes into a juice bar and the interaction he sees the employee have with another <laughs> customer. Yeah. So it's, I thought that was really interesting. Like writing a song for, as a third party. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's not something you get very often anywhere. It's either like second party where it's like, it's about somebody else, but it's how you feel about it. Or it's I, we, I thought that was a really unique perspective to take. It, I think it speaks to Aesop being pretty like humble that like he's like, yeah, this song's not really like about me. This is the the other person's story. Right. Um, But I, I really love the type of songs that are kind of like a bit slower and they're just like a narrative, like almost talking kind of song. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like this fills that role for the album uh, in a pretty nice way it does and i think what i really appreciated about it was it's one thing to write about you know an experience or an interaction you you have but it's another thing to make it like such a mundane everyday event yeah yeah and still you know, have it like, be like entertaining as well yeah you could be like i got up in the morning got on the fucking bus saw a guy with his hair and in a fuss there he was sitting and he looked at me and I thought, wow, he's going to pee. He's going to say a cuss. Yeah, he's going <laughs> to whatever. <laughs> and he uh, turns to you and he says, piss. I'm a great, I'm a great, great rapper. Yeah, throw down some bars. Throw down some more, though. I did. I just threw down a fucking bar. More, though. No. <laughs> more. <laughs> oh, I've done a. I've made an attempt to remove my rap from the internet in case someone who might want to employ me finds them. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty bad. If you know me, don't go looking for any rap I've ever made. <laughs> you won't find it, probably. You won't find it unless you ask me, but I'll hoard it like a fucking dragon. Yeah, we're not. We're going to sit on it until I'm big and then we'll <laughs> release it. We're going to sit on it until I'm big. <laughs> what the fuck do you mean why is that funny <laughs> let's fucking 
<laughs> let's put up a video on our fucking Instagram of the <laughs> that's just a clip from the podcast, but it's like three seconds long, and you just say it's just you saying I'm gonna sit on it till I'm big. <laughs> 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 that's the fucking line oh my god if anyone follows us on instagram that's gonna be the post <laughs> it's gonna be really meta when you fucking look and it's me saying that and then you listen to the episode and you're like shit he really did that man people are gonna be like oh i have to listen now i need to know what the fuck this is <laughs> we're gonna sit on it until i'm really big you guys <laughs> i'm already pretty big you're a pretty big boy i'm a big guy what can i say but i'm not big no, no. I'm going to get big. You're you're the big and tall store. Yeah, notorious DFG. Oh my god. That's you. <laughs> I fucking hate this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we got to get back on track. What is, okay, do you have any back more on thoughts the right about track. about lot of years? Yeah, I just I mean it was just the one that I think stood out to me the most on this album actually. Okay. I really, yeah, I thought that those writing like that and those interactions were just really, really interesting and a really unique perspective. Yeah. I keep saying that, but uh, yeah, that one that one was really, really good and it reminded me of some of my own stuff. Yeah, knocked it out Even of the park. Even though I don't, I don't often do that. I don't often take that... Uh, writing perspective but i said earlier like some of the inside joke rock uh inside joke rock is an inside joke genre <laughs> that we created to define my band's music uh a long time ago because we just wrote about shit that was you know just that happened to us or like happened to our friends or like made fun of our friends or whatever often written in like a very cryptic way that you wouldn't get unless you literally were there Exactly. And like specific phrases or like acronyms yeah, and shit. Yeah. Like so I so I really appreciated that uh level of his lyricism because it reminded me of that, but also he got a lot more esoteric than we did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Than we do. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, but that song stood out to me for that reason, I think. Yeah. What did you think about dorks? So I already mentioned the kind of gross guitar riff. Yeah. Which I thought was, you know, draw, drawing on like punk and and rock stuff and was probably the most obvious example of that yeah. on the album. But it was also like there were D&D references in there. There were like like sorcery this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he and he kind of threw in these references that made him sound dorky, um but not in a way that made it inaccessible to people who don't give a shit about that stuff yeah and i i think it's an interesting like juxtaposition because the song is about like a lot of people in the underground hip-hop scene in like the new york area right and i don't know like when when hip-hop artists are trying to put off like such a vibe of like i'm cool and tough that it's it's an interesting juxtaposition to then tie them in with a bunch of like nerdy bullshit yeah it definitely is and i think um like beastie boys almost yeah yeah uh, in a similar way where it's like it's rap but it's punk right yeah, it's yeah. rap but it's nerdy yeah and even uh 
and I have a note about this later as well for a different reason, but even Childish Gambino, you know, makes reference to like fucking early Nickelodeon shows and shit. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. it's like, nobody fuck, nobody knows what Toe Jam and Earl is. <laughs> Except for Right, me. nobody knows what the Rugrats are. Like, nobody who listens would care. Yeah, And yeah. if you do know, you're like, oh, he fucking mentioned that. Oh, like, what? And you fucking nut. Right? But then it's you not in a way big. that would deter people. It would not. It's not in a way that would deter people who don't care about it. Yeah, they'd just be like, okay. Yeah, which I thought was a nice balance. Yeah, I, I really like the line, uh, life is so unfair, party over here, I'll be over there. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That is a really good one. And that's also like uh, kind of defining the social position that you're in, not just your opinion on parties, but like, I don't get invited. I'll just stay over here and fucking play on my computer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, be in the basement hanging out. Yeah, it's got like a, a good kind of, uh, it serves two purposes in the song. Yeah, and I think this song stuck out, like this album, uh, it's very privileged rap. Okay. Um, it's, it's very, uh, and I mean this, not in a negative way. I mean this in a similar way that I meant uh, that Idols is millennial punk. It's it's very middle class. It's very educated. Mm-hmm. It's it. T- I think this album takes a lot of influence from punk on the way that it's written and the uh, observations that it makes. Yeah. One of the most common themes I think in rap in general is like, I had such a hard upbringing. Look where I am now. Yeah, yeah. Right. And this album has none of that. This album has like, I have had difficult experiences on an individual level, but not that were caused by a background or um, some sort of disadvantage. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think that that's so nice because like, I I really do appreciate that Aesop isn't trying to appropriate black culture in any way. Like he it really yeah. doesn't feel like he is trying to be like, hey, I'm with you guys. I'm I'm a rapper. That means I'm like I'm basically black, which would be like, oof, OK. And like, I feel like that's kind of a vibe that keeps me away from a lot of white rappers. And like, OK, yeah, I like totally I, get that. Like, I appreciate that he's not he's not co-opting any language or like anything no, it, it it just feels very honest. Like it feels like a guy who liked rap and is good at poetry and was like, OK, I'm going to make music because like I feel like in a lot of ways, rap is kind of the. Almost like a, a better application of poetry skills nowadays. Yeah, I, I agree with that, um, but I also think that, you know, so the argument could be made i'm not making this argument the argument could be made that doing rap at all is an appropriation of black culture absolutely right? is that like it's a it's a black art form and white people shouldn't do it so is rock and roll whatever yeah it's it's one of those things where like i feel like um it's absolutely not my place to like decide on whether uh it's right. like okay or not but i do at least like appreciate that he isn't trying he isn't like it, it's it's iffy instead of just like oh this is not great you know i hear what you're saying yeah but i mean eminem's an obvious example but the reference i'm going to make is that uh eminem in what is it without me says like i could be like elvis i could steal black me i could do black music so selfishly yeah is yeah. the line right um 
and people, you know, people think, well, that's probably why Elvis was so big, uh, because he was white and he was able to do black people's music well. Yeah. But I mean, white people steal everything. Yeah, it's true. White people can't fucking stop stealing. So yeah, but I, yeah, here we are to, to cap off the thing. I do just appreciate that he's talking about his actual experiences. And like, I think that's why in a lot of ways that I can relate to, to Aesop's music more is because like, those are the type of things that I've dealt with as like someone who, you know, is lower, lower middle class and like grew up fairly poor, but like still does have that privilege of being white and like right. everything that comes with that. Yeah. And, and you know what? The other thing that I think a lot of rap does is rap about aspirations. Yeah. Right. Rap about uh, where you were and where you want to go mm-hmm. or or, you know, like you said, just be dishonest and say, this is where I am uh, and you're not there. Right. But he doesn't. I don't think this album does any of that. There's no, there's no talk of aspirations or what you want to get to. This is all like things that have happened that have made me uh, into who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Or not even that or just have influenced me or informed me in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it's very like non self aggrandizing. If anything, it would be like uh, self, uh, like putting himself down at points. Yeah. Uh, rabies. Um, yeah, I think I talked about rabies a little bit earlier. He does. So he does talk about Christianity a lot on this album. Yeah. He was raised in a very like strictly Catholic, I believe home, very religious. Um, and you know, that's fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So this one has the line, uh, no immediately measurable crime wave ice age. Yeah, yeah. Which I really, really thought was an excellent line and was, I took it as poking fun at like revelations, like, you know, the apocalypse is coming. Everybody's going to turn on each other and the the true believers are going to be redeemed and taken up to heaven, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, for context, uh, Alphonse and I both went to Catholic school our entire uh education um and in ontario at least it's not like a private school system like it is in a lot of places even other places in canada like even here in nova scotia for example there aren't there isn't like a catholic school board if you go to catholic school it's like a private school right right so uh yeah i think that's an interesting thing that is an experience that we had that kind of informed our religious opinions in a lot of ways yeah um and I actually take it as a privilege because it allowed me to actually find something out about religion okay. um, that I think is a is a problem with public schools in general is they just don't talk about it. They don't talk about religion at all, right? And right. it's like, we're offering world religions as an elective. You can take it if you want. And nobody takes that. Yeah. Right? But, but we kind of had to be exposed to it. And um, your family was like a little bit more religious than mine was. Yeah, I would say so. But I, I actually really appreciate the fact that I got that education and it allowed me to ask questions, you know, and form, form opinions on my own. Well, yeah, I feel like the way that that's influenced me and like uh, one of my sisters as well and just a lot of people I've known who went to Catholic school is like they've come out the other end way more against the church and like questioning of theistic values. So ironic. 
Yeah, it well, just because it's a fucking it's a shitty experience because school kind of sucks in general. And then you throw religion in it and it's like, OK, <laughs> I'm here now, yeah. I guess. It's not a it's not a fucking. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, maybe that uh, like my family wasn't very religious. We didn't actually go to church. Yeah. But I think my parents put me in that school system because they were like, it's a good education to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, in a lot of right. ways, like the the church, the Catholic schools that we went to ha- just had were like better schools than the public schools because they were better funded. Yeah, and and that's not to say that it's that ca- it, that's the case in general, but the specific area where we grew up. Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't want to make any big claims like that, but yeah, the actual the particular schools that we went to mm-hmm. were better, and I mean fucking your family was like half the teaching staff at our elementary school yeah yeah i was like related to like most of the teachers and then like my mom worked at the high school that i went to and my dad like came in as a substitute on like a few days (laughs) yeah so i think that anyway that religious conversation um it at least allowed me not to have a big fucking eye roll when those lyrics came up yeah yeah and that's good because I don't want to have to roll my eyes every time someone says the word Catholic or the word Christian. Yeah. And and I mean, like, as an artist, like as a visual artist, even I find like I I tend to use a lot of religious imagery in my stuff, but it's mm. not really. I don't know. It's not like I'm like specifically trying to get anything across with it. It just kind of like. It's it's an influence that I had as a kid and thus like something about it clicks with me for like the aesthetic of what I'm working with. That's interesting. Yeah. And I think you do a lot of um, I don't want to I mean, it is abstract, but you do a lot of work with proportions and exaggerating and distorting proportions. And I think uh, the nun is one that you draw from a lot because that can be made to look horrifying so easily. Oh, yeah. You can do so much with a habit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And and that like is a common theme in horror and I think you do draw from a lot of horror for your own stuff as well. Oh, for sure. And that I think those just go hand in hand. Uh and that's an easy, yeah, definitely an easy inspiration to take um not in like a copping out sort of way, but yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very useful uh tool in your toolbox. Yeah. Well, in you. understanding like symbolism in religious things is is neat it's a neat thing to have some background in and actually yeah and i i wondered if this song and blood sandwich were kind of the um the ones that are trying to describe what the impossible kid means the phrase the impossible kid and i didn't know if it was supposed to be like a behavioral issue sort of thing you know a kid who's impossible to deal with or a kid that was impossible to have you know, impossible to bring into the world shouldn't have happened sort of thing. Right, right. Um, I kind of tried to figure that out and uh, I would need more time to dissect that. But those were kind of my first impressions, those two like possibilities. What what do you think? Um, I don't know. I feel like I've never super thought about it. I always thought of it as like, it's like a self-descriptor. It's like Aesop is the impossible kid and it like, Reminds me of like, you know, you'd have like old Westerns and it's like the sundown kid or like, yeah, like Billy the kid. 
And it just makes me think it's like a, a nickname to himself, but then also like the use of the word impossible there kind of like, I don't know, just a lot of the struggles that he's going through, like a lot of. Um, OK, you know, it's it's impossible to live like how he how he is currently. Right. I, I mean, I definitely thought that it was a self descriptor. I didn't mean to to uh, imply that it wasn't, right. but it was like. Why impossible was kind of my my thing. Right. Yeah. You said that it was supposed to be autobiographical. And so like that you saying that kind of did inform I think really did inform the way that I listened to this. And so I was looking for that actually almost the whole time. I was like, okay, this is uh, the title that he's giving himself. Why? Right, right. I wanted to mention with rabies and kind of supercell as well. Rabies is about kind of just a rural environment is kind of what it invokes. Yeah, definitely. And it, I feel like that's the song that like reminds me of home in a weird way. Um, okay. Yeah, I would definitely see that. And like, just the the way that it kind of like talks about how rural it is and how it's kind of like spooky and weird in that way. I feel like that was a lot of how I was feeling when I got back from mm. BC and I was like suddenly back in our hometown, which is this like tiny little like it takes a half hour to walk across town long ways like it yeah, is tiny if that. a tiny village and you know i'd go out for a bike ride late at night you know sometimes i'd see like a fox or like even like a coyote once and it's just like okay like these animals just kind of run around town at night because everyone here is old and no one goes out late at night it's just a, a weird vibe yeah right around town we gonna feel this fox yeah we're, we're gonna touch that fox <laughs> and get rabies yeah hell yeah on the on the way to my mailbox yeah um and then supercell is just like it's it's specifically about uh christmas time of this year uh that aesop wrote this okay when he didn't go home to see his family oh man and you were like oh me that year (laughs) yeah well more specifically it's about kind of like shutting off your loved ones and like shutting out people just because of like depression and anxiety and right not being able to like mentally deal with other people. And I feel like I went through a lot of that, like at that time, like I just wasn't talking to people that much other than like the couple mm-hmm. of friends I had in the area. So I can kind of relate to that as well. I also think Supercell just has this really fun, like kind of boppy flow to the lyrics. Like, yeah, this Supercell, I was like, it almost felt like industrial gorillas to me. I could see that. Because uh, it's kind of this like 70s R&B uh, baseline in there and very much like a like a feel good ink style kind of groove. Um, yeah, yeah. But then in this kind of, I would consider like a signature angular style that the impossible kid has. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, lyrically though, for me, this one was hard to pick apart. It's, it's dense and it's very, like you said, like it's very specific to kind of knowing what happened. I, I find, yeah, or I found like over time with the context, I can kind of get a lot more of what's going on, but there's still like things I kind of have to guess at to get what's going on with them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And 
I wanted to avoid finding like a track by track or doing too much research on this album. Sometimes I, do, I want to do it. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. And the amount of research I do has no correlation with how much I enjoy the album. Yeah. It's just like sometimes I look it up. Sometimes I'll, I'll read more or less of the Wikipedia page on something um, or to find a particular quote or something like that that informs the way that I listen to it. And usually that's afterwards. Yeah. Uh, like after I listen and I'm, and I'm making my notes and I'm prepping for a conversation that I'm like, huh. You know, and I do have something about that later yeah. on with his um, vocabulary. Mm-hmm. But I, I wanted to not do that for this one for whatever reason. I just felt like uh, I won't. That's fair. I uh, I actually, I didn't look up any like lyrics or like explanation for probably a year or so after I started listening to this album. And it was like on heavy rotation mm. in my playlists. But like, right. I just didn't, I, I just was like, okay, I'm going to keep picking this apart because every once in a while I'd be like, oh wait, he's saying this, not this at that part. And that makes this whole yeah. like sentence make sense. And I really love that that feeling of like kind of discovering a song and getting like a new appreciation for it as you go. One hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that um, I think I made this comparison during Igor as well, which is interesting. But uh, comparing to the band Yes and their lyrics, yeah, this like very very esoteric verbose uh and in yes's case like quasi spiritual lyricism that might not even fucking mean anything and i i read that uh aesop was criticized for that pretty heavily in his early stuff and i'm like i don't think it's a fair criticism to make of anybody i don't like criticizing an artist on the grounds that their lyrics are too esoteric or that they're trying to be too intellectual. It's just not uh, a comment that I think is fair to anyone on a personal level. Yeah, I think you're kind of right there. And like partially I would agree also because of my own philosophy that like when you like I would I would say that music is as an art form, like what it has is the instrumentation and like the actual music without lyrics. That's like, if you're going to judge the music and then lyrics can be seen as like uh, poetry that is like fitted over the lyrics. And right. there's kind of a weird argument to be had of like, how much is the lyrics part of the music and how much is it like kind of just, something else to be judged separately. And I think when you're judging a song, it's important to think of like, not just like, oh, I think these lyrics are trying too hard to like be smart or whatever, but also like, how do they sound within the song? Like uh, a lot of metal music, like it's it's super intensely written with like, you know, uh, large words and everything, but then mm-hmm. they're just like screaming them. And some people will like, say that that's bad but at the same time it's like okay but the screaming part here sounds good and accentuates the thing the music is doing right and i think you know the the opposite of that is uh what we talked about in our episode 5b our review of idols that they have been criticized for being too on the nose with their lyrics yeah right 
And I think obviously, if you look at that, you're going to find that uh, different reviewers are saying someone is too verbose than are saying someone is too on the nose. Um, but I don't think you can have it both ways. Yeah. Like you've got to pick one or the other. And I certainly think too on the nose is worse, is far worse than too abstract. Yeah. Cause if it's abstract, then you can like continue to pick it apart. But if it's too yeah. on the nose, it's kind of just there and like you don't get anything extra out of it. Yeah. And not just, not just continue to pick it apart, but come to your own conclusions. You know, just, just, it's about whatever you fucking want it to be about. And sometimes people avoid, avoid the track by tracks or the interviews or like the artists talking about it. And sometimes the artists who are really abstract really enjoy, you know, going in, you know, going in depth in interviews and saying, yeah, this is actually what I was talking about when I wrote that, even though they're very abstract and, you know, pseudo intellectual, maybe sometimes. Yeah. Um, and you know what? And I think most of the time you can tell anyway. Yeah. Honestly. When someone's trying too hard. Anyway, I wanted to I wanted to make that. That's like a strong, a strong personal conviction I have that like artists should not be criticized for just trying to be abstract or just trying to express themselves in a way that isn't straightforward. I think it's not a fair thing to say. Yeah, and that's all. And lyrics is hard. Lyrics is hard, man. Lyrics is hard. But you know what? Uh, I might as well mention this now. Apparently, Aesop Rock has the uh, largest vocabulary in hip-hop music. I don't know if you were aware of this. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure you were. And it and it's by a pretty large margin. Yeah, it's by like 500 words or 700 words or something. Yeah. Um, the blog that I found left him off the initial version of the list because they thought that he was too underground at first. Oh, okay. And then... Uh, Apparently, a bunch of redditors were like, "But Aesop Rock, though, you don't fucking understand how much this guy says. How many fucking words? Yeah, apparently, it was seven thousand three hundred ninety-two unique words in his first thirty-five thousand words. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I imagine that includes all of the ands and thes and ins and as. Yeah, you know. And yeah, I I've heard that like apparently he reads the newspaper and anytime he sees like a word that he yeah. likes, he'll just like, uh, he'll kind of like highlight it and then be like, okay, I'm going to work that into something later. Yeah. And I heard that he did that in like scientific journals and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because like, even just by proxy, you're then educating yourself on, I don't know, the fucking reproductive cycle of a llama or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like who, who fucking knows? There's a a bit in uh, in Shrunk that I actually I took yeah. down, um, and it's awaiting panacea, channeling your inner Beowulf in purgatory just before you pay up to fillet yourself and others. In the name of help, coal on a conveyor belt into ego death alone. No telephone from Gabriel, and it's just like that. That's insane. That is an insane like verse, and it's just like part of this larger verse that is an insane verse yeah that is an insane verse and that was what made me say like okay this is very this is not not intellectual rap but educated rap yeah and whether that's like um like formally educated in an institution or self-educated or whatever just to be able to put that together with those kinds of metaphors yeah and and do that in a, a useful way has to be recognized as a skill. Yeah. Regardless. 
regardless of whether you're like, this doesn't fucking mean anything. <laughs> just to be able to understand all of those concepts together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what did you think about Blood Sandwich? The gopher scene. Yeah. Uh, terrific. Terrific imagery in that song. All all throughout that song, yeah. actually, is, yeah, really excellent storytelling and imagery and truly painted a vivid picture. This, like, yeah, I, you know, the the baseball coach who cares so much about baseball yeah. that he goes and takes a piece of joy away from these children. Like, mentally uh, scars the, these children. Yeah, and the staunchly religious parent who's like oh ministry sounds neat oh wait it's a cult oh wait no worse than a cult it's a punk band yeah industrial actually <laughs> i think fuck yeah yeah they are industrial yeah um and i i really like it as like a song about his brothers as well like um i i think it's just kind of sweet yeah i think it's great i think there's uh you know my brother is 16, so he's quite a bit younger than I am, nine years younger than I am. Yeah. And uh, we don't talk a whole lot. And uh, like he's in high school, he's living his life, trying to fucking have life. And I'm like, man, I really appreciate when like, you know, sometimes we'll just send a couple of texts or something. Hey man, how you doing? What's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Cool. Then we won't talk for a while. And it's like, it's not like we have a strained relationship or anything. We just don't talk very much. Yeah. Just like sibling. I love him. Type shit. Yeah. Just sibling thing. Yeah. Um. And your siblings too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, With me, I mean, I'd be like, "Hey, hey, what's up?" You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that was, yeah, definitely a song that I could connect with on that kind of a level. I, although it kind of describes a more strained relationship than that. Kind of, kind of more strained between just having grown up in the that kind of environment. It's almost like a shared strain. Yeah, it sounds like it talks about like having a closer relationship with one brother and being distanced from the other. I think is the impression I got, but I'm not sure if that's right. Uh, I'm not sure. I couldn't say. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to look up the lyrics, but I'm not going to put you guys on hold. <laughs> you all know the hold music I use. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty self-referential. Anyway, I just ripped that shit from YouTube. If you own the copyright on that, uh, I don't really care. Yeah. Just shoot Devin. Shoot him dead. Whatever. Yeah. Come find me. I'm in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Yep. Um, there's not that many people here. His so. address is 87 Fuckbag Avenue. Yeah, 87 Fuckbag Avenue. My postal code is um, F-O-K-0-F-F. Anyway, yeah, Blood Sandwich was definitely a uh, high point. Yeah, it's definitely like one of the standout tracks to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as well as this next one. Uh, what did you think about Get Out the Car? Get out of the car. Uh, yeah. So this this is one that I thought could have been almost directly autobiographical, but then I was like, "Wait, was he in a coma for eight years?" I <laughs> uh, I don't believe so. And I didn't. I don't think so. No. Um. Probably would have read that on a brief skim of a Wikipedia page. Uh. But that's what it talks about. Um. It could talk about, or it could, it could be kind of implying, you know, eight years just living under a like a veil of darkness, just kind of having your head in surrounded by dark clouds for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's definitely like references to contemplating suicide and that sort of, that sort of a vibe. Yeah. I, I think the song is mostly about 
you know, his, his like uh, mental health struggle. But also I think it's a bit about um, his friend. Sorry, I think his name is Camu Tao. Uh, that's his rap name. Okay. You know how when you, you write a rap song and you're given a rap name? Right. I've heard about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you haven't gotten yours yet. Yeah. Uh, he, I guess, had died uh, sometime before this album was made and is kind of mentioned in a lot of uh, a lot of the songs um, as just like something that really affected Aesop uh, before okay. getting into this album and working on it. So I think the, the coma might be in reference to that friend. Oh, that makes that would make a lot more sense. Yeah. yeah. And you said you said this is one of your favorites. Yeah, I think it's just of it's kind of almost like the emotional high point of the album. I don't know. The whole thing mm, kind of mm-hmm. feels like a gut punch. And I think in a lot of ways, like for me listening to it before I knew what it was about or anything more specific, it was kind of like this is this was kind of how I felt uh, at the time that I first listened to this album. Yeah, I definitely I could definitely see that. It's not entirely clear what specific things it's making reference to, but the lyrics themselves are obvious enough just like on the surface, you know, on on the face of them that you can, you know, you can draw whatever connections. It's not like this is just verbose meaninglessness. Yeah, and like the lyrics are fairly concrete in this song. Yeah. And even just the the instrumentation is so much more like stripped down and kind of it has this like meandering, sad kind of tone to it. And it's it's kind yeah, of crazy yeah, yeah. how dense like Aesop's lyrical style is kind of always going to be a bit dense. And it's kind of crazy that he can have such dense and like like still pretty fast lyrics over something and still have this effect, like still be kind of a bit yeah. of a gut wrench. Yeah, there's definitely I mean, there's obviously a lot of emotion in his delivery just from like the urgency of it, I guess. Yeah. You know, um, do you think that the like the get out the car line? Um, what do you think that's referencing? Because that was kind of the like contemplating suicide vibe that I got. Like, I'm going to drive my car off a cliff or something. Well, I think it. um there's a line in it that's uh, can still sit around stoned in your car, not doing shit. Right. It, it's trying to like tell himself to like get up and do something instead of just wallowing in in misery. OK. Yeah. It's sort of a self affirmation, self motivation uh, type of thing, or at least that's how I read into it. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm sorry I don't have more to say about this one. That's fine. Oh, I did want to throw out before we get too much further. The album was mostly made in a barn that uh, Aesop was living in at the time of writing and doing a lot of the like early production on the album. Right. So literally just like living in a barn full of like spiders. And, you know, I feel like I didn't know that at the time, but that was similar to my situation where I was living in the garage uh off the side of my parents house and like it was winter and there was literally just like a giant crack under the door yeah it was like fucking just space heaters and carpets and yeah hoping you keep warm you like it cold anyway yeah yeah i was fine alphonse runs hot yeah i'm fucking hot and steamy um 
but literally like a fucking raccoon or whatever could just be like on my chest when I woke up <laughs> at any time. Mm. Right. Yeah. Just chilling. Yeah. So you do. So I can definitely see there's a lot of personal connection to this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so shrunk. What are your thoughts? Shrunk was definitely a favorite as well. Yeah. I think that along with, um, yeah, blood sandwich rabies and lot of years were kind of, uh, four of the top five. I would say. Yeah. To me, not not trying to analyze any of the lyrics specifically, but to me this was like, oh God, please don't try to analyze my mental health. I want help, but I really don't want to talk about what the fuck is going on in my head. Yeah, yeah. Just very uncomfortable with like the idea of therapy in general. Yeah. And actually I didn't get that that's what he meant by shrunk until the end when he like makes a little bit more specific reference to count like therapy right right the kind of back and forth between him and the therapist in the like third verse yeah yeah and i i really love that the song has like the kind of beat and structure that you would hear in like a very self-aggrandizing kind of rap song you know it's got that heavy like boom bam 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 yeah 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 and everything is like i'm the thing my thing is like this things around me are this and they're like this that kind of lyrical structure is generally like I'm the coolest and this is why I'm cool. But then like, instead it's just kind of like, Hey, I'm a mess and I need help. And I'm talking about myself because this is a song about therapy. Totally. And I thought, um, he almost makes self reference to the fact that he is. So he, he calls it expressive and symbolic. Yeah. Right. When the therapist is like, I can't help you if all you're going to do is use fucking metaphors and analogies and like, let's dig in. And he's like, well, that's just the way that I am. Like, that's just the way that I think and the way that I feel. And if I have to express myself in terms of, you know, the angel Gabriel and fucking Beowulf and shit, then, you know, learn to interpret what the fuck I'm saying and help me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great because I think that like a lot of the meme around therapy is like, no, we have to be honest with ourselves and we have to we have to really dig into like the meat and potatoes of what's actually going on. Yeah. Like let's actually look at the problem, let's come to terms with it and it's like but but I am coming to terms with it. I just I come to terms with it verbally in the terms of fucking the Greek epics. Yeah. Leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um it's it's a definitely like a more nuanced look at it that comes from experience with it as opposed to like experience with media about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, fortunately for myself, uh, I've not had to deal with very much depression or anxiety. Yeah. Um, so it's not something that I can directly look at and be like, oh yeah, I fucking get exactly what he's saying here. Right. Um, so I'm kind of more separated from it. Yeah. I get that. For that reason. And, and I myself, I haven't had therapy for like uh, what's gone on with me specifically. Um, other than like when I was a little kid, uh, I have a learning disability. So there was like some counseling in regards to that, but it really wasn't anything and didn't do anything. (laughs) So in in a lot of ways, I can kind of relate to Aesop's like wariness about it and, uh, sort of like being unimpressed with how it works at times. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, there's also the thing of like, you know, psychology versus psychiatry, where psychiatry is all just about like, let's put them on a fucking medication and send them out the door. 
<laughs> instead of let's actually help deal with the issue. Uh, but that's a different opinion than I'm willing to share right now. I mean, psychology, generally, you're not working with a specific person. You're more analyzing like uh, like you might be working in a larger scale study. Well, you can be a psychologist and be a therapist. Yeah, that's you know, But that's a psychiatrist true. is not a therapist. A psychiatrist is a doctor that's supposed to treat illnesses. Yeah, yeah. Which is different from from therapy. Yeah. Um, to say the least. Yeah. I'm smiling, but I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I also, I really like um, the way that it kind of leads into Kirby thematically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my, my fucking dad loves Kirby. Like just really. Yeah. I put it on one time and he was just like, oh, this is a fucking bop. This is a song about a cat. This is definitely the one that had like, had an awesome hook in it. Yeah. And was yeah. like, oh, what, like what? what the fuck is this this is definitely like the most like fun song it is yeah and there there's more of like the the nerdy references in this song yeah is the reference to kirby like to the video game character kirby i'm not sure i'm not sure why he's named kirby but i could see that honestly okay that's fair um yeah yeah it's got it's got such a good like bass synth it's just this really like fat kind of funky the bass synth is really good in this one yeah (laughs) (laughs) one of those you know i love i love your uh synth impressions it's a it's a consistent high point for me when you bust out a synth bass impersonation oh thank you thank you so much i'm sure it's very good (laughs) (laughs) yes and i really like how the chorus like at the end of the chorus it has that pause and then the drums come back in and it has like a very It's got like a lot of oomph to when it starts the verses. Yeah. Uh, Something. Oh, I don't know if he does it in this song, but just like a stylistic thing that uh, I enjoy a lot is he will um, he'll write a line that rhymes. But then the word that rhymes isn't the end of the line. And then he just kind of goes like to the rest of the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it it's done in such a way that it doesn't feel forced. It just feels like the important part of the sentence was before. Yeah, he's putting the emphasis on like a different part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there is one particular example, and I don't fucking know what it was. <laughs> anyway, um, that's what happens when I don't make notes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I made notes. I've got notes. I don't come into this unprepared, but you just did. It sounds notes. like I do. You did notes bad. Maybe. Maybe this time. Maybe I was just too. Uh, I was too absorbed by just the ambiance. Maybe. Of it all. Yeah. So uh, this song's better than the entirety of Cats. Yes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, what did you think of Tough? Tough, I actually enjoyed a little bit less. Okay. I just had a hard time. This was one that like I, I really tried to understand it, tried to internalize it. And I was just kind of like, eh, it's about not being understood as like a kid or a teenager or of difficulty developing relationships like after you leave your family, like some sort of a family impact on you that makes you unable to relate with other people. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of coupled with blood sandwich in a way because of that, I thought, but not really in like a linear way or anything like that, you know? Yeah. It's apparently like just kind of about, it's mostly just him poking fun at himself and like right. him thinking that he's like tough for not being like mentally well basically 
Um, so I ah, think this like okay. kind of comes after the therapy part because of that. It's it's sort of him being like, yep. oh, maybe yep. these behaviors weren't great, which I think is interesting. And honestly, like I don't. I, I would say, yeah, this is one of the ones on the album that I get like the least out of. I still like it a lot, um, but I think the part that I really enjoy is when the the like beat kind of drops out and it's just this weird like gasping beatbox rhythm and then it has like a super heavy yeah right kick. at the end yeah yeah that's a really cool there's like a <laughs> kind of <laughs> yeah yeah like rock bottom like some SpongeBob just, shit just like it thank you Devin can you You're write welcome. me a rap that's done with a rock bottom accent I would love to do that honestly maybe I will. <laughs> That'd be really Maybe good. I'll, you asked me for more bars. If I get, if this podcast, if this episode gets a hundred listens on the hundredth listen of this episode, I will release that rap, a full rap. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to share I, this. I to promise. Everywhere. I promise you. Yeah. You fucking do it. And I'll release that rap. I swear to God, I'll write it. I'll even write it beforehand in anticipate. No, maybe I won't. That's too much work. I'll write it when it, and release it when I get to hundred listens. All right. That's not that many, you guys. Just share it. Just share tell it. your buddy Just Kyle. Tell, your, tell Kyle. My buddy Kyle. Hey, Kyle, do you want to listen to these guys hate on your favorite band, ACDC? That's coming up. It's coming up, coming Kyle. Up. Get excited. Fuck. Who the fuck is Kyle? Fuck Leave Kyle. me alone. Um, you guys are talking about my fucking favorite band. I don't think I feel very good about it. <laughs> <laughs> you, like, you like my Kyle? Yeah, that's a I think it's good. Kyle. Yeah, thanks. Okay. What did you think about Lazy Eye? Lazy Eye, uh, Lazy Eye was the one that had what I was talking about. The record on the Kessel Run, allegedly. Oh, yeah, yeah, And it, yeah. like, just drops off, right? Although that one is, like, the word allegedly isn't really part of the line. I think it's, uh, I think that's specifically, like, a reference to not just, like, the obvious level of, like, it's a Star Wars reference, but I think um, yeah. I'm pretty sure that uh, one of the characters like says under their breath allegedly after like in the film. Yeah, no, it they do. Yeah, they definitely do. This was like a really good. This reminded me of, like nighttime driving music. Yeah, yeah, right. And that hook, that whatever that means for you, just that like bouncing kind of like your your hydraulics lowrider. <laughs> yeah, yeah, car. Right. Um, but then there are also like all of these pop culture references, more pop culture references than anywhere else really on the album in this song. Um, yeah. Everything else is kind of like, you know, we mentioned the D&D references, but or like nerdy kind of. But it's like it talks about Star Wars and Chuck D and Stairway to Heaven and MC Escher and like all of these other things. And it's pretty it's it's alone on the album in doing that. And I think that makes it a standout thing but then also chuck d features on it is it actually him yeah on it probably is apparently this song was written after he had like a really good chat with chuck d on the phone um, oh cool yeah and this was like while he was working on the on the album um i also think this is like the spookiest the most like kind of got that spooky really? vibe uh out of the album there's just something about it i can't i can't remember what it was that made me think that way i think it was just kind of one of the the synths that's in the background just made it mm. feel a little little eerie but not not in a way where it was like more like a halloween spooky fun type vibe than a actual right. like, interesting eerie. i could 
I could get that. Yeah, yeah. I can get on board with that. Um, the It's interesting that you say that, if that was a, a conversation that he had, or written after a conversation that he had with Chuck D, because it sounds like the the act natural, whatever that means for you line, is like something that someone would say to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I don't know if that's something that Chuck D said to him, but that's interesting. Yeah, this one this one was a, a very good, like, low-key groove. Yeah, yeah. It was a little bit less hard. You're right that it was more it was more eerie. Um, yeah, but it wasn't as uh, sharp. Yeah, I don't want to say edgy. I, I mean sharp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As some of the others, as the earlier half of the album, I think it kind of rolls off. I described earlier that it uh, there's not a lot of roundness to this. Yeah, and yeah. I think that towards the end of the album, it becomes rounder. It becomes less angular. It a little bit less does. jarring. Um, and yeah, and I like how smooth that is. Yeah, it kind of I feel like the later half of this album kind of settles into a groove, but not where like you may you might lose focus on like listening to it, but not in a bad way. Like it's yes, it just kind of like and uh, melts into the background a bit. Yeah. And that's something we said on um, Picture of Nectar. that yeah. That was a problem with that album that it, it kind of melds into the background and becomes all kind of mush and the last half isn't really doesn't really matter as much and that was a problem with it um i think that this album does do that but it's not a problem with this album it's certainly a problem with a lot of albums it doesn't become mush i don't want to say that yeah but it like it does become a more like cohesive sounding thing i think the big difference is that you could still go into any of these songs alone and listen to them and they're still very engaging yeah they they almost serve like that purpose and then separately serve a purpose on the album as like kind of a vibe at the end. I yeah, and I think that um for the most part I was really I was really vibing out when I got to the last three three or so tracks. Yeah, yeah. Three or four tracks. Uh I was really just like taking it in. Um but Lazy Eye was one that I that did catch my attention. Yeah. Specifically. Yeah. What did you uh, think about Defender? 1 a.m. Defend the whole block. Yeah. Yeah. This one was uh, was like the B, the B side to Rabies almost. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, there was some times where I thought the title of this, like I would be looking for like, oh, what's the song with the Bobcat? And I go to Rabies and I'd be like, yeah. that's not it. <laughs> no, that's not the one. Yeah. This one uh, reminded me of when I was a young kid. I was probably ooh, seven. You know, couldn't have been much older than seven or eight. And um, I was at my dad's place um, and my grandma was there. She was still alive at the time. And my dad went out to, I don't know, wherever. And when he, while he was gone, uh, a skunk came onto the porch. <laughs> now, when I was even younger than that, like five maybe, uh, or four, because my parents were still together. So we had a dog and my dog got sprayed by a skunk. Mm-hmm. And my dad had to give him the whole tomato juice bath thing. And I remember being scared of skunks because I don't know if I thought that like the spray could do something to you. Right. It'll melt your face. off. Anyway, there was a skunk on the porch. And so uh, my grandma had me like go outside and go across the street for whatever reason to get away from the skunk. Yeah. And I got really fucking scared. Oh, man. And I was like, my dad's going to come home and he's going to get sprayed by the skunk and he's going to get hurt. (laughs) 
and I got really emotional about it. And that's what this <laughs> song reminded me of. Uh. Like, yeah, very strangely specific memory here that I'm digging <laughs> up. But uh, yeah, it was like, something's wrong. There, when there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Defender. Yeah, Defender. Hi, I'm yes. Defender. I, hi, I'm Ball Gorley, your local Defender. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Ball. On my inst- my Instagram is now Ball Gorley. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. I love that. Um, this song makes reference to The Shining. Yeah. And I read that uh, they made like a abridged short film of The Shining with like action figures or something yeah. as a promo for this album. Yeah, it's the uh, that was fucking wild. It's like the full fucking movie, but like set to the music. And it's I, I haven't fucked. actually watched it, but it's it sounds neat. Um, that's something to watch yeah i would watch that yeah i i do really like that line um i think it's uh more stars than a carpet for, or more diamonds than a carpet from the shining half riot half or half riot half orion i think yeah something like that yeah and it's it's just got like this really nice flow to it and it sounds fucking cool yeah yeah that was an interesting one because it it <laughs> dug up that memory for me yeah yeah and I, I I like how the song almost like becomes like less grounded th- throughout the whole thing. Like it starts becoming like kind of more and more surreal. Yeah. Like ending with the line about like uh, a bear cooking, putting a. Yeah, kind of weird. I think that that is kind of related. That's the related theme all the way through. Right. It does yeah. get more surreal and more detached from what the original like the first verse is about but then it kind of comes back to that so it's a weird separation but it also kind of brings it home at the end yeah and also like this is about literally like there was a bobcat spotted in the area and yeah him living in a barn like he was he was understandably pretty anxious about it sure of course you're like well i gotta fucking deal with that yeah because like you know you can't perfectly close a barn Probably if he's living in some like old barn that's not used anymore. Um, so that's yeah, I just thought that was a neat thing to consider uh, in regards to the song. What did you think about Water Tower? Uh, Water Tower, I thought was um, it was a bit heavier for me, subject matter wise. Yeah, it's definitely I, w- I, re- I was really attached to the pet lizard part. Yeah. The pet lizard line because I had a pet lizard. Yeah. I came home from my dad's and my mom told me my lizard died. And I said, well, why? <laughs> well, you know, we fed it. It's not, you know, it's not like anything bad. Ha- Straight. Yeah. Strange that I have like anecdotes attached to these songs now. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just what reminds me. Of, I don't know. Apparently she went out to buy it food, like went out to get crickets for it because we were out and uh, came back and it was dead. But what had happened was we had it in the fucking front porch. And if you can believe it, it fucking fried to death, basically, (laughs) because the combination of the heat lamp and the front porch was too hot for a creature that is supposed to live in the desert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it got fucking it got warm in there, too. I remember Oh, dude, that porch was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah fucking playing music out there and just like brutal um, yeah and so that that and the the hook paint no rules on the water tower uh that reminded me of us going around you know going around tweed fucking changing the letters on signs and shit yeah yeah being and like rap scallions you know just being 
Yeah, being little rapscallions. But the song itself was like not a thing that should have dug up anything positive, really. Yeah. No, I don't think it, it. It's not meant to do that for the listener. It's meant to be. Uh, I think it's almost meant to be like a catharsis. Yeah, I could see that. It's yeah, yeah. I I feel like the the musicality of it, like the music in it, really captures kind of the the mood of simultaneously being depressed and anxious, like having a right. I wouldn't go so far as like anxiety attack, but just like having a bad day with those two things. Um, like it's got this like dipping kind of like kind of synth. And that feels yeah. it feels like the same like weird stomach dropping like vertigo type of feeling that uh, I would associate with that. But then like right. or would I would associate with like the depression part of it specifically. And then there's like that kick drum it almost feels like this like heartbeat that's like kind of too loud and maybe a bit irregular you know it's it's so interesting that you're saying this because i actually i didn't find a lot of marriage between the music and the lyrics on this album okay but you keep making reference to it um and that just wasn't something that i got i feel like the the tone of the album like it really feels right to me as like someone who has experience with like the kind of emotional side of this album right well and i think you know the opening line life is death is life Mm -hmm. um captures that pretty succinctly yeah you know um and i could go into a lot of like the existential angst or like the we shouldn't fear death or like that sort of a a philosophical angle on it yeah um but I'll spare these people another hundred minutes of the podcast. Yeah, we should we should probably uh, <laughs> wrap this one this side up. We should probably get to wrapping. We're getting we're getting pretty long. Yeah. So molecules. What did you think of molecules? <laughs> I don't know. You're the one fucking reviewing the album. Um, no, I know, but I I I am the one reviewing the album. We're actually both reviewing the album. That's as fair. a matter of yeah. fact. Um, and because this is the last song, I want you to go first. Okay. Just to just to flip it on you. <laughs> I think um, I think it's a really good like send off song for the album. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of like has these themes of like Aesop doubting his like sense of purpose as a musician, especially in the third verse. Um, and it's also kind of describing this anxiety that people won't be interested in his music if he was like mentally healthy, which I think is like a real concern right. with like how mental illness can sometimes be glorified by the art community, especially like visual art, uh, which is obviously like yes. where a lot of his background beforehand came about. And then also uh, from what I've experienced of a lot of underground hip hop, it seems pretty pervasive there. Um, yeah, you know. I, uh, I think that that's that I found a lot of that. I really did find the um, people don't, people don't care about a mentally well artist like that sort of thing. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of uh, a song by the band Pup who I've mentioned before. Mm-hmm. They have a song called Full Blown Meltdown on their most recent album. And it's, um, just look this up quickly. The line is, uh, I'll be sure to write it down when I hit rock bottom for all the people who love to fetishize problems. Nice. Uh, which is like, you know, the, the song is about being in the music industry and having people make money off of your mental illness and off of your 
unwellness. And it's like, well, but this is just what I know how to create. Yeah. You know, and I think, yeah, I think molecules, there's a lot of similarity there, but there's all, it's also kind of, it goes back and makes reference to the family thing. It goes back and makes reference to, it kind of touches on all of these little point form things that he's talked about throughout the rest of the record. Yeah. It, it kind of summarizes in a lot of ways. Yeah. And this one was, again, I, I this was like a, a smoother, it was more of an easier ride uh, as a send off track than Water Tower. Yeah. Yeah, and at first I thought I thought Water Tower was going to be the last song on the album. It felt more final, uh, yeah. but when Molecules came on, I was like, "Nope, that's the better wrap up track for sure." Yeah, yeah, it kind of like brings it up a little just by virtue of not being about something quite as dour, and then kind of mm-hmm. like summarizes a lot of the feelings throughout. Like I said, yeah, the um these violent drums, those primal fears, this pool of mud. Well, again, it's it's stating his identity, right? It's stating the kind of thing that he wants to make and the kind of message that he wants to send out, but also saying, it's just who I am. It's not like I'm putting something on, right? Yeah. And I think that's really important. I think it's a it's a very honest uh, wrap-up of a very honest look at himself as an album. So is it good? I'm going to keep this fairly succinct. Okay. Uh, I think that I have been pretty expressive and long-winded with some of my opinions so this is a good album nice this art is good i finally did it i you finally did it (laughs) but i don't just think it's good i thoroughly enjoyed listening to this nice all the way through yep um i tried to not make that super clear yeah i could hear you straining against uh being too positive (laughs) yeah i really really enjoyed this record i thought it was great uh i'm definitely gonna listen to it a few few more times and try to pick it apart more and probably i've been looking for instrumental stuff generally just to throw on yeah and so i'm really glad that like this and some of his other stuff is available just as instrumental but i'm like yeah this is like a solid eight eight point five for me personally um and i would say probably yeah an 8.5 uh this is a uh this is like a cheese or a a a whipping cream of an album i'd go as far to say cheese i really 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 thought this was a great piece of art nice i'm so glad you enjoyed it because it's it's very important to me uh on a personal level and just i just think it's great good i know you do but what is your what what's your uh personal or what's your objective rating of this if you can if you can do a a milk scale rating for this album oh uh, yeah that's gonna be a nine baby that's a nine a nine baby uh oh, which, cheese. yeah it's a that's some solid cheese so that's that's my objective uh opinion i think yeah it is a nine uh it's yeah. it's a nice cheese and it's it's not a cheese with a lot of a lot of water content there's not much moisture factor Uh in there um it is just it's a lot of just a lot of rich content yeah i still listen to this album like often and have done so for almost like five years wow you know that's pretty fucking awesome and i would say on a personal scale i'd even go so far as to say a 9.5 this is wow this is an album that i'm like 
this is like 9.5 is about as close to perfect as like things get as you will get for rating something yeah i might give like a handful of things over the entirety of this podcast which we will do until we die i might give a handful of things a 10 we'll see yeah i mean until we die or until i get too fucking bit we're recording this two nights before this thing comes out and i'm editing all tomorrow and then it's out sunday yeah you might die before me so we're cutting it close yeah i could choke on fish tomorrow and die yeah i mean the podcast will never come out i mean i'll just get wisman on uh as as the replacement fuck yeah i sent him this album actually i was like dude you will like this listen to this and he was like okay cool oh sick uh wisman is my brother the aforementioned brother whom is 16 and i do not talk to very much but i was like he will like this. I also was like, hey, we did Igor as a podcast. This was a while ago. It was like, hey, we did Igor. And he was like, oh, cool. I love Tyler, the creator. And so nice. when you gave me this, I sent, I listened to it once. I think I listened to like half of it. And I was <laughs> like, he's going to like this. Nice, nice. So yeah. Um, very cool. So we will wrap up our conversation here. We'll see you in part B. We will see you, Kyle, in part B when we discuss ACDC's Back in Black. Yeah, come on, Kyle. Mm-hmm.